Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You know, bringing the, the trophy back, caught obviously the Splash Bros is bringing it back. Uh, I think it's in its rightful place right now, so we'll, we'll keep it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my boy and producer Marcus. What's up, Dev Nation? And unfortunately, no Maxime today. We're kind of ping-ponging participants over the last few weeks. But we do have rejoining us after no hiatus at all. We needed him right back in our life. The Golden State beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who attends every single Warriors press conference, practice, shoot-around, and game when the world isn't in a global pandemic, and a guy who will absolutely let you know he's been verified on Twitter, Mr. Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. MT, did you get a chance to listen last week and hear Connor just kind of subtly needle Wes about how he's a much better reporter because he's got the blue check? Yeah, and that was amazing. I love it, Connor. You just <laughs> flaunt that blue check. <laughs> Are you? I feel bad for Wes because it's, it's got to be the only traveling beat writer in the entire country with that one. Like, <laughs> and it's, it's not a criticism of Wes. It's, it's a criticism of his employers for not getting him the blue check mark. It's on them. There you go. I think they call that a backhanded compliment. Is there any truth to the rumor that you currently have a giant golden and diamond necklace that is just in the shape of a blue check mark that you wear every time you see Wes? I, 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 I heard that somewhere. Is that is that accurate or no? I got a tattoo of, of it on my chest. And I think I'm off. Every time I see him, so that he can see it. Yeah. I mean, I, I joke and give you shit 
but I feel like everybody listening currently knows that if we ever get verified on Twitter, I will get a facial tattoo. I have no problem with that. On one side, it'll be the blue check mark, and on the other side, it'll just read, yep, verified on Twitter. Boys, let's talk Warriors, and let's go to a familiar uh, segment here, the glass half full. If you're new to the pod, you probably already understand this segment. What we do is look back at the past week or so of Warriors basketball and pick out things we liked and did not like. Boys, I'll go first. Thing I liked, Steph Curry making every portion of the All-Star game better. Yeah, so the game itself, Sunday night, I, I feel like it speaks for itself, right? I mean, when he was out there, it was watchable and entertaining. When he was not, it was boring as hell, with all due respect to Damian Lillard. I don't think that I'm being a homer by pointing that out. So there's no question he made that better. But the three-point contest, that was just something special. I love that it came down to the final shot so that we had the drama. I love how much it meant to him. The guy has two MVPs. He's got three titles. He's helped build the dynasty, but he still just celebrated with everything he had after it went down. Um, And I kind of love what the three-point contest means to the sport, and then he walked away with it. You know, right now, the three-pointer is probably the most important thing to the game of basketball in the NBA. And to have a contest that focuses on that one important skill and then to crown Steph Curry as its best is kind of awesome on its own. So that was the thing I liked. I know I'm getting repetitive. I know I'm talking about Steph Curry uh, every week. But, you know, hey, he's having a f***ing historical season. So this is what happens when you put up a story. My bosses have a rule, um, which is you you cannot write about Steph Curry too much. I remember early in my time on the Warriors beat, I, I had a week where I wrote about him like five straight days, like full main bar, like long stories every day on Steph. And I asked one of my bosses, am I writing about Steph too much? And he was like, what? No, you can't do that. There's literally <laughs> no thing. So same thing in terms of talking. You cannot talk about Steph too much. Well, make sure that your uh, bosses tune into this podcast because they will have loved the last, I don't know, 16 to 17 straight weeks. Uh, I'll get the thing I don't like out of the way and then give it right back to you guys. Here's what I didn't like. When Steph was receiving the three-point title, when they were handing him the trophy, and you could tell it meant something to him, Ali LaForce, the TNT reporter who was uh, interviewing him, casually mentions, for no reason, I don't mind adding, that he has only won two out of seven times that he's participated in it. Ali, why the hell did you have to mention how many times he's been in there? This isn't about percentages. We're celebrating. So I, you know, I didn't really like that from LaForce, but that's my glass half full. What do you boys got? Um, what I liked was a bittersweet like. I really liked how well Steph and Giannis played off of each other in the game. And, you know, Giannis obviously had an amazing game, didn't miss a shot. Um, but it was bittersweet because it just showed exactly how dominant they could have been if he would have decided to join the Warriors and not sign that stupid Bucks extension. So um, it was a bittersweet, but I just love seeing them play together because you could tell that they like each other, that they complement each other really well. And, you know, the same way that Steph and KD play off each other and complement each other, I think Giannis is a different version of that, but equally as potent. Yeah, I one thing I, I really – and kind of building off what both of you guys said, I liked just the fact that even though Steph made it kind of clear, before, pretty clear before the game that he wasn't excited 
about All-Star Weekend this year. He just kind of said it is what it is, you know, it's something I got to do. Um, when it actually came time to do it, he was as joyful and as enthused as we've seen him. Um, I thought he made that All-Star game genuinely fun to watch. And most, I think most All-Star games are borderline unwatchable. And um, just he was out there playing like he was on a – on a black top at recess, you know, he was, he was doing all those fun things. And then the little, the little deep three shooting battle he got in with, with uh, Damien and then the, the alley-oop lobs with uh, Chris Paul and just all the giggles and stuff. It was just fun. You know, he made it fun. And so I I always appreciate that. One thing I did not like uh, was, right before the all-star break uh, when Steve Kerr decided to sit Steph for that Phoenix game. And that Phoenix game was pretty important. Uh, could inch, could eventually be pretty important in terms of their playoff outlook. Um, he basically admitted pregame that he was sitting Steph because Steph had the, the all-star game and all that. And he needed, he needed a break. And my thing with that is you should not be making a regular season decision for a game that matters because of the all-star game. Um, also, I know that he's participating in the all-star game and the three point contest, but he does have several days after that, after that to rest. So I just, I didn't love that decision. I don't, I didn't like what it represented. Did you get a chance to ask Steve Kerr, true or false Kerr? I hate your decision on this. <laughs> No, we did not. <laughs> Weird. Weird that you didn't win, uh, didn't get a chance to. I think that um, alley-oop you were talking about was underappreciated, though. We've never seen Steph really get up like that. I know he's dunked before oh, and was super I excited. I heard a story, I think, two seasons ago about the art of the Steph Curry dunk. Um, and Steph, is, Steph usually only dunks about one time a year, and it's like with both hands, you know, you know, with no one near him, I've never seen him throw it down an alley dunk for my yeah. entire life. Uh, so I was blown away by that. Um, you know, I, it's just another sign to me that he is physically at his peak, that he is better yeah. than he's ever been. Because I'm not sure he could have done that a couple of years ago. Everything, everything about his performance on Sunday screams that he knows exactly who he is in this league, that he's remarkably comfortable with being a statesman now, and that he's a surefire, absolute generational superstar. You know, um, And we saw that with how he made things fun. We saw that how he approached every angle of it. And I, I, I shouldn't say this because we're running a little long in this segment, but I'll add it. You know what I didn't like? And it just shows what kind of a sick f- I am. I didn't like LeBron and Steph seemingly having the time of their life together you know I, I didn't like that Steph participated in the throwing of the chalk I didn't like that LeBron had his three fingers up while Steph was shooting a three I didn't like the stories afterwards I don't like that ESPN just reported something that said two kids from Akron uh, pointing out that both Steph and LeBron were born in the same hospital so like, you know I don't this isn't going anywhere I don't think Steph is leaving I don't think these two are going to play with one another but it kind of annoyed me I, I, I don't know I was uh I wanted to see less of their happiness together, if that makes any sense. That makes sense. I'll tell you one of the things I didn't I didn't do what I didn't like. A close, close second of what I didn't like was I did not get an NBA top shot. And I stood in line for a long time. And it was very upsetting. But more so what I didn't like was these trade rumors. I'm assuming we'll get to them at some point. But saying that we were interested in 
Victor Oladipo. Let's let's get to don't get it at all. Let's get get to them right now. Perfect transition. Our second segment, Warriors Oracle, is in fact a mailbag. Um, We normally cover Warriors topics, including things like Oladipo. We also cover personal topics. Um, But let's get to the first question because it addresses exactly what you said and also is aimed at our boy. Quote, rumor surfaced this week that the Warriors were interested in Victor Oladipo. But friend of the huddle, Connor Letourneau, recently wrote an article called, quote, why Warriors are unlikely to get Victor Oladipo or another big name at the deadline. And in that article... Connor says again, quote, Golden State knows that any discussion for an all-star caliber player will begin with the other team asking for one or both of the franchise's two biggest assets outside of Steph, Clay, and Draymond. The top three protected 2021 pick from Minnesota and rookie center James Wiseman. But according to a team source, the Warriors almost definitely wouldn't surrender the Timberwolves selection or Wiseman unless they got back some generational talent like Embiid, or Yanis. Please ask Connor, is Oladipo off the table? And two, does he think the Warriors will stand pat at the trade deadline? Connor, this article went bananas. Um, I saw you post it. I read all your all your stuff and enjoyed it. And then after you posted it, I don't know, somewhere between 10 and 15,000 aggregators used this line that I just re- read and ran with it. So this piece is everywhere. Break it down for us. Um, start with that first one. Is Oladipo off the table, at least as far as you know? I wouldn't say he's off the table. I, I, I'm not sure he was ever really on the table. I mean, I was able to confirm that the Warriors like him, which, by the way, is a pet peeve of mine just in reporting in general. When the entire part of the news is that they like a guy, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, they like a lot of guys. They like almost every good player in the league, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, so I reached out to someone. I was like, so can you just – I just kind of need to confirm this because it's blowing up and – he he was just like, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, we like him, but it doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, in terms of you know th- how feasible it is to get him, um, it's all for like any trade scenario. It's all about what you would have to give up to get him, and um, you know he's not a guy. As I said in that story, the Warriors are not willing to give up James Wiseman and or that top three protected pick from Minnesota for almost anyone. Um, Giannis and Joel, Joel Embiid and some guys of that caliber aside, um, I don't think the asking price for Victor Oladipo would be that high. I, you know, he's on an expiring deal. He's not playing particularly well this season. He's not shooting super well. He hasn't looked the same since he came back from that knee injury. Um, so I think you're probably looking at more like a Kelly Oubre slash Kavon Looney package yep. for him. And to be honest, I still think that's too much when you're, when there's no guarantee that he would be in your long-term plans anyway. Uh, he's an unrestricted free agent this summer. And, uh, my guess is that he would want to go somewhere where he can be a go-to guy. Whereas with the Warriors, he'd be at best like a sixth man off the bench. Um, so I just don't think it makes sense on a lot of levels. And there's just been so many examples of these things being floated out there. And I'm like, just let's talk through this pragmatically. Like it just does not make sense. Um, 
And the Warriors aren't going to do something that doesn't make sense. And they're, they're not going to mortgage their future potentially uh, for someone who can't seriously help them long term. Of course. It's all cost-benefit analysis, right? Uh, would I like to have filet mignon every single night for dinner? Yes. Can I afford what the hell that costs to make that happen? No. So do I have it every night? No. I can't afford it, right? Um, Oladipo, like abstractly, am I interested in him playing for the Warriors? Sure. You know, Wanamaker wants to, or makes me want to pull my hair out. The Warriors have a need for another guard. Oladipo has skill despite his health concerns. I'd, I'd love to have him here. Same way I'd like to have steak every night. But if you look at what it'll cost, it's just not worth it. You know, I, I did the exact same analysis, Connor. From what I can tell, they have to give up Ubre and Loon or Wiggins. I wouldn't do either of those, especially considered that Oladipo is coming off kind of a nasty quad tear. And we've got Clay Thompson coming back next year who will hopefully or hopefully address that exact guard need. So no, man, I'm a hard out. Um, judging by how we got to this segment, with Marcus basically saying, I just hate the rumor itself. I think we know where he stands, but let's make sure. MT, you big, are, you, are you currently recording this with an Oladipo jersey on or what? <laughs> Definitely. It's <laughs> no. a Warriors jersey too. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm a hard pass on that. I just don't see the fit. I mean, even uh, he's not filet mignon to me. He's flank steak at this point. So um, flank is delicious, but it's not filet mignon. And I just don't think he's the same player that he was at the all-star level. Um, that he was playing pre-injury. So I just don't see the fit, and I don't think it's worth it, like you and Connor were saying, for the pieces you'd have to give up, um, especially on the defensive end. We're, over, we're starting to get – we're in the top ten, and we were creeping into the top five of defensive rating, and I think that's because of some of the pieces that we would have to give up to get him. If Connor, you're going to give up Kelly Oubre, um, and, I, and I think that if they do make – a move at the deadline, a move beyond just like unloading Brad Wanamaker or something like that, something somewhat notable. Um, I think that it would have to involve Ubre because you shouldn't just let Ubre walk for nothing. Um, if you're not confident you can resign him, then you should try to parlay his phenomenal play recently into an asset that can help you going forward. Um, and so I would be open to trading Ubre potentially for, you know, someone who's maybe not as talented as Ubre, but someone who can be a helpful rotation piece for multiple years to come. Uh, guys that I've thrown out there are Thaddeus Young from Chicago, um, Larry Nance Jr. from Cleveland. You know, these are guys who obviously aren't super sexy names, but they're under contract for multiple years, and at least you'd be getting um, you'd be getting value to help you in a, in a potential title chase next season. Um, as opposed to just letting Ubre walk, because I am personally not confident they're going to be able to resign Ubre. Um, I actually think the Warriors might be willing to pay Ubre what he deserves, which is probably somewhere in the twenty million dollar range. Um, but I just think that he wants to go somewhere where he can be a go-to option. I don't right. think he loves the idea of being a six or seven fan, especially now that he's just starting to hit his his peak, his prime. Yeah, and if he starts getting the kind of offers I assume he'll get, if he continues to play the way he has played in the second half of the season here, um, he'll probably have that opportunity. Answer the second question, and let me um, refine it a little bit. So this is a guess, and it requires you to you know go look into the future. But if you had to bet something that uh, meant something to you, let's call it a rent payment, do you think the Warriors will make a move before the trade deadline? 
Um, I think I wouldn't be shocked if they made like a really minor move. <clears throat> and by that, I mean like unloading someone like Brad Wanamaker for like a future second round pick or something like that. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I don't even know if they need that, can get that value for Brad Wanamaker right now. But I'm just saying something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but no honestly, I think more than likely they're they're not gonna they're not gonna do anything. If you look at Bob Myers' track record, he very rarely does anything at the deadline. Last last year was his first time making a significant move at the deadline ever in his entire tenure since 2012 as the Warriors general manager. I think his last move at the deadline was the Steve Blake trade, if I'm not mistaken. Like he doesn't he doesn't do things at the deadline. Uh, very often he he likes to play the long game be patient i think they're in a situation right now the Ubre thing aside um where they can afford to be patient you know they have good assets going forward the top three big minnesota james wiseman um i think they're in a good spot to potentially contend not only next season but for years to come Here's a quick reminder why nobody should ever listen to anything I have to say about the Warriors. I remember that Steve Blake move. We already had the podcast up and running, and if memory serves, I said that this is an incredible move that will absolutely put the Warriors over the top. In related news, Steve Blake didn't do shit for the Warriors, and it did not put them over the top. So that is what it is. Our next question, boys. Quote, we saw Damian Lillard and Steph Curry playing together on Sunday, but they've been basically pitted against each other all year by the media. If you were in Damian Lillard's position, would you secretly hate Steph Curry? MT, take this one first. So what I think this is asking, you're not Damian Lillard. You're you, right? But you are playing in Portland. You are from Oakland. You are watching Steph do what he is doing in your hometown. But you're having your own success, yeah, in that scenario. And, you know, not publicly. Of course, you'd say the right things. But at home, in the deepest, darkest recesses of your heart, would you secretly hate Steph? I wouldn't hate him, but I would be jealous. Um, I think because he's he's now virtually like a an Oakland hometown hero, right? And I'm the Oakland hometown hero because I came from Oakland. So I would be jealous of it. I wouldn't hate him, but I, I would have resentment for his status and, and the fact that you know, because like Dame or or I in that position, if I'm wearing number zero because it's an O and it just represents Oakland, you know, like I do everything with Oakland in mind. And here's this guy who also represents the Bay and he loves the Bay, but it's still different than being born here and growing up here. So um, I would probably resent it and hate it. But uh, my competitive nature would would be the reason why, not because of anything personal towards Steph. I am so tired of your emotional security. Fuck yourself. (laughs) Dude, all those words you just used, like resentful, jealous. Yeah, of course I'd feel that. And you know what that would lead me to? Hatred. I would be bananas. So again, never say anything public. I would handle it the exact way that Lillard is handling it. What choice do you have? But if I was from Oakland, just as you said, so much so that my number choice reflects my hometown. And meanwhile... A guy who plays my position is taking over where I was born and along the way wins three championships, two MVPs, and beats my ass a few times? Hell yeah. 
I would be pissy about that. And hell yeah, that pissiness would translate into hatred. And I think we saw, it's a weird way to put it, and this is just me projecting, but we kind of saw how the way that they relate to one another changes based on success. At the end of that game, both Steph and Dame Lillard wanted to hit the three-pointer that ended it, right? The team LeBron was at 167. At 170, the game is over. And the first trip down, Steph took a half-court shot. And when he did that, Lillard, you know, seemed to be watching and rooting, but he wasn't really invested. And I got the sense that what he was doing was hoping he missed it and was waiting for his shot. After Steph missed it, and the, the next time down, Lillard had the ball. Steph didn't even cross half court. I'm not sure if you guys saw that. He stayed in front of his own bench and started waving to the fans goodbye, indicating that he knew that Lillard was going to hit the shot and end it. He became Boudini Brown for Lillard. He became his hype man. You know why he was able to do that? Because he's so secure in his success over him. Lillard never would have done that. So to answer the question, and you know, just chapter 8005 and what kind of a sick bastard Bram is. But yeah, man, this this would absolutely engender some hate for me. Um, MT, Connor's going to tell us that he's like you. There might be some jealousy. There might be some resentment. But nah, really, he wouldn't necessarily hate him. Do you agree with me? And before Connor tells us, do you think I'm right about that? I, I think I think that you uh, you can resent the amount of attention someone's getting without resenting the person. Um, and I think he I think that he resents kind of the fact that he is perpetually going to be in Steph's shadow solely because he also shoots 30 footers on a regular basis. And he also is an elite point guard. And he also is from the Bay area when Steph has played his entire career in the Bay area. Um, I get, I get that resentment because Damian Lillard is phenomenal in his own right. Um, at this point, I think he is, um, incredibly special at what he does. And the thing is, his, his playing style is actually very different than Steph's, uh, the deep threes aside. A lot of other aspects of their game are very different. You know, Steph plays way more off the ball, things like that. So I can, I can understand the frustration I want your take, Connor. Reveal your emotional makeup. So I, yeah, I mean, I, and, and we'll never know, right? Unless we give Damien some kind of truth serum and have him on this show, we're never going to get his response. I want your response. If you were there and you were experiencing this, what would your emotional response be? Would you hate Steph or would you just be slightly resentful like MT is lying to us about? I would be, I don't think I'd hate Steph personally, but I would definitely, the fact that I'm being compared to him, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I think I need therapy. We need to have a therapist on this show as quickly as possible to help me through some of these. Uh, And I I wrote something about this last week. About Uh, my need for therapy? It's becoming a legitimate, it's becoming a legitimate conversation of like whether or not Damian Lillard is better than, than Steph. And I'm not, I don't personally think he is, but, Damian Lillard has been so special that it's at least a conversation, which is a huge nod and compliment to Damian Lillard. Because just even a couple of years ago, that, that the mere thought of the conversation would have been laughable. Is it weird that you say that and my immediate reaction is anger? Uh, like I said, we need a therapist in here as soon as possible. Boys, last question and the one I might be looking forward to the most. Quote, the world seems to break into two categories. 
Those who waited until they actually had a driver's license to drive a car and those who snuck out of their parents' house a little early and started driving before they were supposed to. What category do you guys fall into? So what I want to do here, boys, is guess, all right? We will start with me. What do you think? Of these two, where do I land? Did I drive before I turned 16 and got a license? Or did I play it safe and uh, follow the law? Uh, This is an unfair question to me because I already know the answer. You stand back. Connor, what do you think? Well, obviously, I know the answer, too. We're good friends. Uh, (laughs) We did not follow the law. Yeah, unfortunately true. My first car accident came at the age of 13. It also wasn't the first time I drove. So yeah, man, I'm in uh, in that first, or I guess the second category. You know, living life to its fullest, but possibly making remarkably stupid decisions. I don't know the answer to this question for you two. So we can actually just have a guess. Let's go with Marcus first. Connor, give me your guess, dude. What do you think? You've got a sense. You've, you've met Marcus a bunch of times. You know who he is. Do you think he was behind the wheel of a car before it was legal? Uh, I, think, I think you were not. I, I say no. I say no too. Why? Give me your response on that, Connor. What, what's, what's making you think that? He just seems like a pretty rational, level-headed <laughs> guy who... Uh, you know, doesn't put himself in harm's way. Unlike uh, another guy I know named Brandon. I don't know. I don't know if we had to add that second part, you bastard. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> um, he is rational. He is level-headed. He can be a little bit rash as well. I've seen him to make his uh, his share of poor decisions, but this one would have forced him to buck his parents at a really early age, and I don't think he would do it. I don't think he would take that chance. My guess is no as well. MT, what's the answer? Bram is correct. There is no way I was going to steal my parents' car. The <laughs> wrath of that would have not been worth it at all. That's worse than trading Wiseman in the first pick. This just doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, I, I didn't do it. I did, however, get in the car with multiple people. Bram may have been one of them before they had a license and rode around. Um, but I never took driver. my parents' car. Yeah, <laughs> I'm an excellent driver, much like Rain Man, and have always been an excellent driver. Of course, I'm an excellent driver. You know how to drive? Yeah. Of course, I don't have my underwear. What? And when I said I had a car accident at 13, it wasn't my fault. You know what I mean? (laughs) It was the median's fault that wasn't moving at all when I hit it with my moving car. I don't know why I decided to jump out and hit my vehicle. MT, that leaves Connor. I feel that's a tough one, dude. It's a very tough one. Um, Before his response... Before he said, yeah, I think that you didn't do it because you were rational and whatever stupid uh, shot he took at me, I would have said, I do think he did this. I I can see Connor taking chances. I can see him making kind of some bad decisions, and I would have guessed he was on the roads before he should have been. But now that he's given us that little detail and, you know, that you were rational, I got to go the other direction. I think that he did not. What's your guess? Um... Hopefully, Maddie Stats is keeping track of this because I'm going to go the opposite and try to go for the win. I'm going to say he did do it. Connor, what's the answer? I did. I did. Oh, oh Maddie Stats. Put that down. Yeah. <laughs> it's too bad Maxime isn't here. He could change my answer like really convincingly, and I could get that. If you feel comfortable telling us, how old were you, Connor? And give us give us any details uh, that you don't mind well, providing. I, I would like, I remember driving friends when I just had my permit when I was 15. I don't know if that counts. All right. I guess you're supposed to have a parent. You're supposed to have a parent in the car. 
So. <laughs> All right. Definitely counts. Matty stats definitely counts. No, I'm thinking about having Maxime rechange my answer to the original one. Well, you know, <laughs> we'll have to have Matty stats on and, uh, and argue it out. Um, I know I said it was the last question, but I want to throw this one by you, Connor. So we've got a Patreon channel, um, or we have a Patreon uh, group of supporters, which mean the world to us. And all of them are a member of a Slack channel where we try our best to interact and talk warriors. One of the things that came up was their suggested nickname for Mr. Wiseman. And here's what they've suggested. The Owl. What do you think? I don't know if I like it, to be honest. Um, Why the Owl? uh, Because he's wise and because he kind of looks like an owl, perhaps? Um, As we talked about last week with Wes, and we were talking about the Predator nickname with Damian Lee, I'm... I'm not a huge fan of nicknames that are like solely because of someone's hairstyle or something like that. <laughs> First of all, those things change. Second of all, like sometimes it can get a little, I don't know, risky in terms of just chart treading in ter- territory that you should not be treading in. Um, so I, I'm not a fan of that one. The fact that I needed to ask what the reasoning behind it is uh, tells you it's not a good nickname. And and then, if the average person just doesn't automatically know what it means, then it then it's it's not a it's not a good one. That I didn't have an immediate response for you isn't the best of signs for that nickname either. MT, we need to support our Patreon users, so I'm going to ask you: Do you like it? You're going to say, F- "Yes, I do." You ready? <laughs> oh, MT, what do you think about this? Did you like the owl, or where are you at? <laughs> oh, so amazing! Best <laughs> nickname ever. I mean, uh, that was yeah. pretty good, but I feel like I was very straightforward. I asked you to say. F- Yes, I do. And that's not what you did, man. So I don't, that did not go the way I planned. Uh, but go not. ahead. But yeah, yeah. What do you think? I mean, I love the Patreon supporters. Shout out to you guys and the girls. But um, yeah, I just, I, there's nothing that strikes fear in me about an owl. I mean, maybe I'm thinking it's got a long wingspan too. Is that why they were thinking it? Beyond just the wise and wise owl. But I need something that's a little more intimidating or to Connor's point, not dependent on, um, you know, something like a hairstyle. So I know that doesn't relate to Wiseman because he's always going to be Wiseman or have a long wingspan, but I just, it just feels a little too um, soft for what he could be and what he needs to grow into. So you're saying, F- yeah, you like it. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> that a boy, MT. Connor, good stuff, man. Uh, we always love having you on. I know I'm not alone in thinking this. So if there are people out there who need more Letourneau in their lives, give them a sense of where to go. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron, read all my stuff at sfchronicle.com. And, uh, I have my own podcast. Bram is a regular guest on, uh, love that show. Not a, it's not a secret that Bram is one of my favorite guests on there. Um, and that is where off court. You can find that on iTunes. I tweeted out. Um, so if, if you are looking for us, uh, for the owl, for anything associated with the huddle, you can find us out on roads everywhere under the age of 16. We're also on social media, although that's kind of a misnomer. Really, we're only on Twitter at Warriors Huddle. And if you want to suggest a question for the Warriors Oracle or let us know that you hate us, love us, anything, shoot us an email at warriorshuddle at gmail.com. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week.
Good, good. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.